The Toledo Bar Association First Gen Lawyers Podcast shares conversations with established first-generation attorneys. We are fortunate to have many accomplished lawyers and judges in Toledo who were the first in their family to attend college or law school. Join us to hear how our colleagues overcame obstacles and what they learned along the way. Hello, everybody out there listening. Uh, I'm Carl Strauss, an attorney here in town with Owens Corning, and I'm co-hosting this podcast with uh, Noah Woods. Noah, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Noah Woods. I'm a third-year law student at the University of Toledo College of Law, and I'm also an employee at the Toledo Bar Association. All right, well, we are excited to be here, and I hope everybody had a wonderful holiday, and we're very thankful for the opportunity to um, sit down with Monica Yvonne, and today as part of the TBA's First Generation Lawyer Initiatives. So uh, welcome and hello to you, Monica. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Great to have you. And I think we're going to kick it over to you uh, real quick for some introduction and background, and then we'll have a nice, uh, fun and inspiring conversation for some existing lawyers, I'm sure, and certainly the aspiring lawyers that will be listening to this as well. Awesome. So um, again, I'm Monica, first name Monica, last name Yvonne, <laughs> and um, I graduated from the University of Toledo College of Law in 2011, and um, I've been a licensed attorney, so I guess that's about... 12, 13 some years. <laughs> I currently, uh, the position I'm currently in, I am a supervising attorney with Legal Aid of Western Ohio, and I oversee um, a grant and a project that's funded by Lucas County uh, Job and Family Services to help low income folks um, with legal needs, vital legal needs, and that uh, keeps me very busy. <laughs> and I am a first generation lawyer as well as a first generation college graduate. That's amazing. And I believe you also won the uh, 2023 TBA Trustees Award. I did. All right. Well, congratulations on that. Thank you. And many other things, I'm sure, as well. Thank you so much. Um, So, yeah, Noah and I are going to just kind of kick around some questions for you, and um, we're very excited to hear your responses. So just kind of generally, first off, um, what sort of brought you to pursue a career in the law? Well, I was going through a really messy divorce, and um, I retained a very messy attorney. and throughout that interaction, throughout you know that relationship, if you will, or those interactions, um, I did not like that attorney. I found him to be rude. I found him to be arrogant. Um, I found him to be disrespectful of me and my time and my situation. Um, and, and in a nutshell, he was just a really he was really a jerk, and he bothered me. And I fired him, and I ended up finishing my divorce pro se, but I will say the one uh, good thing that came about from interacting with that gentleman is finding out what it took to be a lawyer. Because in my mind, I thought, well, if this jackass can do it, (laughs) I most certainly can, and I can most certainly do it better. So we did have one conversation about law school and what what the requirements of law school were. Mm And you had that with the attorney? I did. I looked at his law degree behind him, looked at him, <laughs> shook my head and said, hey, what, 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 how did, tell me about your law school career. How did you become an attorney? You know, did you have to have an undergrad in like um, poli-sci or pre-law or something? And so he explained, no, you know, you could have any bachelor's degree. And he explained the LSAT and the application process. And it was just information that I kind of tucked in my back pocket for future use. I didn't run right out and apply for law school. It would be a couple of years, few years later that I did. Uh, but again, in my mind, if this idiot can, I know I can. <laughs> <laughs> Strength from adversity. Yeah. There you go. And I think that, uh, that reminds me of kind of the similar with going to law school for me. It wasn't even on my radar until it was put on my radar by someone who was like, hey, I think that would be a good fit for you. 
Um, and I think that's something a lot of first gens I've found have in common is like law school may have not been on our radar until someone that is kind of connected to the profession puts it on there, kind of makes you like, oh, I can do that. So, right. Yeah. Do you recall what your first day of law school was like, like any particular emotions or interactions that you had that still kind of stick in your mind? Yes, uh, very vividly, uh, because the first day of law school for me was also uh, the day that morning I had had my final divorce hearing. Uh, telephonically, uh, <laughs> I appeared telephonically, um, and I remember, you know, having my final divorce hearing, and I was on the phone, and judge, you know, went through the questions, and you know, all of that. And at the end, I expected like a gavel, like I wanted this gavel, <laughs> and I wanted him to say, "I'm now divorced." You know, like they pronounce you wed. Well, I wanted to be pronounced divorced, and the judge never said it. He just hung up the phone, and I was like, really disappointed uh but anyway i started classes later that evening i started law school as a part-time evening uh student and started uh law school that evening and i just kind of went i had a roller coaster of emotions that day i'm like i'm now divorced i am now a single newly divorced mother of four and i'm starting law school what in all of the world was i thinking uh so yeah the first day was was pretty emotional for me so you talked about how you went part-time and you were sort of balancing family needs as well at the same time. So is there any advice you would have for folks that think maybe they wouldn't have the time or the, you know, other resources to jump into law school, you know, balancing the part-time versus full-time and other family needs? I think that the key to it is prioritizing. I had to make a decision, and my decision was different than most of my, you know, uh, law school peers. Uh, My decision was to put God first, family second, law school third, Um, But that worked for me. It it allowed me to go to school without feeling a tremendous amount of guilt. It allowed me to go to law school understanding what was most important to me. And because of that, I actually think it helped me to get through. So I think uh, prioritizing based on what is the most important to you. um, But it is doable. It's absolutely doable. I did it. I graduated. I passed two bar exams. I am now a practicing attorney. Uh, Was it easy? No. Was it possible? Absolutely. Yeah, um, I I really think that's important to kind of touching on those priorities. Um, I know we've had discussions before about um, I think you can really succumb to that pressure, especially um, for me as a first-gen law student. I feel a lot of pressure to be, you know, prove that I can be there and, like, do the best I can in classes. Um, not to say that you shouldn't necessarily, but recognizing that, like, getting the top grades is not always the priority when you have family needs or you have financial needs. And so just passing those classes can be like good enough and you should still feel good about that. And I think that's something uh, you helped me realize uh, through some of our conversations, actually. That's awesome. And yeah, absolutely. Um, Everyone's law school journey is not the same. It's not a cookie cutter experience. And definitely, I think for first gen or non-traditional law students, folks, like you said, balancing families, that journey looks different for us. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's okay. And I had to tell myself that it's okay. And, you know, I shared with you the good old mantra about C's make JD's. And I know, you know, not everybody, that's not everybody's goals or aspirations, but mine was to pass. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, I started with the end point um, at, at the forefront of my brain. I want to finish. I want to finish. Um, I want to graduate and I want to pass the bar the first time. Those were my goals. Um, mm-hmm. And grades were, were not, you know, primary for me. And again, that's not everybody's journey, but it was absolutely mine. And it made doing law school, I was able to survive it that way. Yeah, definitely. 
So looking at that end goal and as you went down the path to get there, are there any moments that you particularly enjoyed as you went along that path? Did, in law school? Yeah. Did I enjoy any moments in law school? Yeah. God. Um, or related to law school or that time of, in your life in any way. I will tell you this. When I graduated, um, I had some graduation announcements printed up, and I mailed one to that jerk of an attorney who was still in practice down in Florida. Um that made my day. Like, to be able to say, ha, <laughs> um, During law school, wow. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I don't know. I remember some free pizza. <laughs> I remember long nights of study. Tears, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, w- I think, uh, well, I don't want to say that. A positive part of the law school experience for me was getting connected with BALSA, Black Law Student Association, um, and other minority students, and also other students who were moms because they could relate. So when I was able, you know, to make those types of connections and find my tribe, if you will, or my people, um, that gave me encouragement and it gave me hope. Um, but I think happiness and joy just aren't super synonymous with law school. (laughs) (laughs) Agreed. (laughs) It's a struggle. Yeah. And so those connections you made in, in school and, um, the other support systems that you had, um, how have they, and the fact that you're a first generation lawyer shaped how you view the practice of law? Right. Oh, wow. So I think I'm very people focused. I'm very client-centered in my practice. I'm very tuned into um, my clients. And again, you know, uh, my clients are all low-income people um, struggling in a lot of ways in their life. And I'm just not that far removed. I'm not that far removed from poverty. I'm I'm still a single mom. Um, You know, but so many of their struggles I empathize with. I don't just sympathize, but I empathize because daily when I look at my clients legal struggles and their life struggles like been there done that but also overcame it and you know oftentimes um, I'm one of the few black attorneys at my office Uh, we have a lot of clients of color it it just does something wonderful inside of me to be able to sit down as a woman of color often representing another woman of color or another person of color um, and they see me and I see them And that is a very unique and special client-attorney relationship and rapport that a lot of other attorneys um, don't experience. So, Yeah, I I wanted to just kind of like focus into on what you pointed out with um, kind of having that empathetic um, perspective. I think that's something that is not spoken enough enough about um, with first-gen lawyers and um, law students is that I think we can connect a bit more with a lot of clients, uh, communities that individuals who don't really understand the legal profession are, it it feels very abstract. Um, That's something I've noticed in a lot of my experiences so far, being able to connect with clients or even people calling the bar for a referral and being like, I can understand why they're confused by the whole process of a lawsuit or any type of the legal system. It seems very distant and hard, you know, abstract. So, Absolutely. And I think for so many of my clients with me by their side in the court, you know, in, in their case, there is a level of comfort. You know, mm-hmm. they do know and trust me um, that I've got them and I'm representing them. Um, and I'm just able, again, to build a lot of trust and rapport with those clients that I think it would probably be difficult for other attorneys, um, perhaps in that space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think there's an emphasis on needing to have good soft skills to, to, to be a good lawyer as well, not just the hard skills, not just the knowledge-based thing. So 
it's wonderful to hear how you use that empathy and other soft skills to build that trust because it probably goes a long way with your clients. It does. And I don't consider them soft skills at all. Um, I know a lot of attorneys who are absolutely not people, people, people. They're just not. Um, And it is very difficult for them. So I I don't I understand why we use the term soft skills. But one of the those are some of the things that make me an excellent attorney. So I don't want to downplay, you know, those skills and and rapport with clients. Mm -hmm. So as we kind of transition in the last couple of questions and thinking about your perspective as a first gen lawyer, some of those other skills that you bring to your client relationships and trust building. Is there anything that you wish you had known as you were entering the legal profession that you may know now that you didn't know back then? Yes. Um, I wish I was more familiar. And again, this is, you know, a plight of a, a first gen attorney. Um, I just wish I was more familiar with um, the whole legal system, the court system, you know, procedurally. And it was very foreign to me. I had never known an attorney. I didn't have any attorneys in my family. Again, I think the first interaction I had was with that awful divorce attorney. Um, and so it was all very foreign to me. And I wish I would have had more exposure to um the legal profession, the court system, all of that, it just wasn't anything um, that was on my radar. Um, and again, nothing, you know, we didn't grow up sitting around the table talking about torts and <laughs> <laughs> procedure. This <laughs> is You know, those weren't the conversations around my dinner table, uh, you know, my family dinner table. So I, I just wish um, I would have had more exposure. I think that that would have helped me tremendously as a lawyer. But even without it, you jump in, you learn, you get into court, you figure it out. Um, you know, it's it, it may take a little longer and your learning curve may be a little different from, you know, folks that aren't first-gen attorneys, but you figure it out. I mean, by the time you have graduated law school, passed bar examinations, I mean, you need to walk into court with your head held high. You belong there. You deserve to be there, you know, just as much and probably more than opposing counsel. You're where you need to be, so... Yeah, I think that's a really great message for young attorneys to hear, Um, especially I can still recall when I was a young attorney trying to build myself up, get that confidence to be in the room with with other more seasoned professionals. So it's good to hear that advice and have it shared. Absolutely. Yeah, and it definitely permeates down even into law school. I think the just kind of that imposter syndrome feeling of um, like what you're speaking on of just like, do I belong here? Like I, my parents didn't talk to me about these things, but it seems like other people have a familiarity with so. Well, I think we're coming to a close here, but we do appreciate you sharing a bit of your journey with us uh, today. And just one closing question. Is there anything exciting you're looking forward to for 2024? Well, I have a big birthday, God willing, coming up in April of 2024. I won't say which big birthday, Um, (laughs) but I am looking at planning a trip to Aruba for that big birthday. So I'm definitely looking forward to Aruba in April of 2024. (laughs) Amazing. All right. Well, enjoy that. Yeah. Thank you, gentlemen, so much. Thank Thank you for joining us. This podcast is brought to you by the Toledo Bar Association and is funded through a generous grant from the Toledo Law Association.